In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So I'm actually pretty excited about this uh, question because I thought of it as I was watching this movie. And I think it's one of our more, I don't know if the word would be revealing questions. I I think it's kind of fun in a macabre way. Um, Uh Now, what do you think would be worse to find? Oh, An entire dead body or just part of a dead body? Oh. Mm. What's the part? What Can I choose the part I want to find? Um, I hadn't really gotten that far to it. <laughs> I, think, I, I think any part. I think I feel equally okay. about any part. That's my answer to that question is I think I would oh. feel equal whether I found like a foot or a hand or a head or a torso about, like well, I think it would really all be Really you'd feel the same about a bad. hand versus It would all be bad, but you would feel the same about a hand as you would a head? Mm, I think so. Okay, cuz my answer is probably going to be a part of a body. I don't a full body is like I mean, not neither. Okay, to be clear, I don't want either of these. Sure. Yes. Good. Get that on record. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't find joy in discovering any type of dead body of any kind. But I do feel like I'd rather a piece. I mean, it's not good because then it leaves to your imagination why is the body in pieces. Mm -hmm. But, But a whole one is like, way too real too in a way like mm. that's like a whole ass person that you can see their face and their eyes and I don't want that right because if you found a, especially like a hand or a foot d- you could be like maybe this person is still alive it's possible sure that someone even could a have full survived. leg you could say yeah or they arm. might have just gotten like, their leg yeah, yeah. somehow maybe a torso they're in trouble <laughs> But if it's just a torso on its own, it's like pretty sure that person probably isn't alive. Unless they're like really good at like somehow like sewing their head back to their legs, like I doubt they're gonna be okay. Like but if they've made if they've kept all of their appendages and then they put their head in the middle like a starfish sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I there's yeah. I think I think my answer is that you'd rather find a whole person is um, what I. No, I think probably it would all be pretty bad. Um, sure. 
I guess I, I'm because there's like when I ask the question is what would be worse to find? So like on the one yeah. hand, it's like you could talk about worse in terms of like the emotional trauma that these things could cause and like what responsibility you might feel to do something about it or call the police or whatever. Yeah. But then there's also, I guess what I was thinking more about based on this movie was like the ick factor specifically, like which would you find grosser? Like, um, and I do think that... I do think finding a body part would feel grosser to me than finding a whole body unless the whole body was like in a very bad state of decay or something. Yeah, or like what if it was infest like I guess that's what decay is, but like what if it like and this could be body part or full body like if it if you could tell that it was like a really like gross death or something. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah, like I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't want I to would, know too much. Yeah. I, like here, I will say what my preferred thing to find <laughs> would be if this okay. makes any sense. Okay. Cleanly lopped off hand or hand or foot. Yeah. Because sure, that's because like then just like something bad happened. That's like an industrial accident. That person sure. is probably alive. Like, I don't want to see how that those things got detached. But, like, if, if somehow I just ran across this, then I'd be like, uh, okay. Um, right. It's like, it's like, okay, maybe this person got into a situation, like, 127 hours, had to cut off their own <laughs> arm, and, like, they're okay. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, you can, there's a plausible deniability there <laughs> yeah. that is important yeah. to me. So that's, like, the, t- yeah. the top of the pyramid. Like, cleanly cut off hand or foot. I'm like, okay, that's, con- that's it's still macabre, but, like, I will probably be able to work through that relatively yeah. quickly. Anything beyond <laughs> that gets concerning to me. It gets exponentially me. worse. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I guess after that, what I would like to see is maybe totally uninterfered with dead body is also fine by me. Also, I'll, I'll, I'll put a caveat <laughs> as well. Like, I don't want it to be super, like we said, the non-decaying thing, but I also kind of don't want it to be super fresh because. Well, yes, that, that's fair that say, opens yes. up another can of worms. Yeah, yeah. No, because if you're like out hiking and you find a super, super recently stabbed body, you're like, wait a second. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a whole other set of like, I don't care about you anymore. But now I'm scared for me. We gotta like, get out of here. Yeah, that's a whole other level of we're in trouble. But, but even like, if it's recently. Again, the more human it looks, I think it would be yeah, tougher yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more than fair. Um, so welcome, everyone, to see you <laughs> next week in space. This is uh, a truly bright conversation upon which to begin. Ooh. I am Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell people what we're talking about today? I mean, I really would rather not, but, like, <laughs> I would rather talk about dead bodies for an hour. But um, we were talking about the movie from 
the year 2000, uh, Pitch Black. Indeed. Um, This is, for some of you who maybe have already become aware of this movie or watched it at the time, this is Vin Diesel's breakout film. Um, Really? Yes, it is. Uh, The Hmm. IMDb description is... A transport ship crashes and leaves its crew stranded on a desert planet inhabited by bloodthirsty creatures that come out during an eclipse. I hate it. You hate it just from that alone? Yeah, literally. Uh, Is it because of the phrase transport ship? Is that part of the problem? Um, it, okay, I'll tell you the phrases I don't like in that one sentence. Okay. Transport ship. Crashes. Stranded. Desert planet. Bloodthirsty creatures. I'm okay with an eclipse. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if the whole movie was just an eclipse, we were just watching an eclipse, I probably would prefer it. So like a but, nice... Yeah. Like, however... Well, we don't actually know how long the eclipse lasts on this planet. But if you just basically saw a black screen the whole time, you would be fine yes, with that. Yes, prefer it. Yes. <laughs> prefer, not just fine. I, you'd prefer to watch Yes, I would literally, yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's tough. Um, yeah. So, well, then I think we're going to have a really um, rousing <laughs> conversation because you haven't outright disliked something that I've picked in kind of a while, so... Um, it's we'll been see. a while. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, the, I what I will say is, like, I don't have the same vitriol as I have, like, in the past. Right. But I, I, I mean, don't know this that is because... No, what was that movie that you really were mad at me for doing? This was years ago now. The Cell. Oh, yeah. I think it was The Cell. The Cell, yes. was, and, and in retrospect, like, maybe I was just, like, in an angry phase of life. I don't know. <laughs> but, like... You were now real I just, mad about that one. That one made me mad, I think, because <laughs> my distaste for it was surprising even to me. Yes. But, like... And definitely and so to I was me. Because like, it had your favorite I, I, actor in it. I know, and I think there was, like, a potential there, and that's what made me more angry. Like, this one, I'll tell you the real truth. The minute it started, I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. So no, I know I, like, precisely, and we'll talk about it soon, listeners. I know precisely <laughs> why The literal, like, it. second. Like, <laughs> like the after, after it said, like, Columbia Pictures or whatever, I was like, oh, I hate this. Like, so I like I had no expectation at any point to it start enjoying it even. Right. So it was like it just was like a a kind of even hate across the board. Okay. Um, well, you might be surprised to hear then that <laughs> this was a sleeper hit in the summer. I think the summer of the year two thousand. It made $53 million globally, so its budget was $23 million. Um, it makes 53 It was the fourth movie, most popular movie in the U.S. box office the weekend that it was released. And perhaps even more surprising for you, um, this was so popular that it launched an entire franchise, um, now, see, I sort of knew that almost to the point where I thought I almost, I, th- I thought I was maybe watching the wrong movie. Yes. Because I knew that there was 
I didn't know anything about it, but I knew there was movies called Riddick and Chronicles of Riddick. Right. And then when they started calling him Riddick, I was like, wait a second. Am I watching the wrong movie? <laughs> like, and I did have to, like, double check. Yeah. Um, so, exactly. So, the to backtrack, when I was considering what movie to watch this week, I had in my list Chronicles of Riddick. And then mm. I was like, oh, maybe we should watch Chronicles of Riddick. And then when I started looking into it, I was like, oh, wait, this is actually a sequel to something else, um, <laughs> which I had also heard of. And so anyway, I was like, well, if we're to do anything, I think probably we should start at the beginning. Um, so went with Pitch Black. Um, Chronicles of Riddick follows in 2004. Um, Riddick happens in 2013, and there is now um, an announcement of a subsequent Riddick film called Furia, which I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Hmm. Um, it was announced last year. No idea if and when this will actually like appear as a film. Um, hmm. And I think what we can see here is that... Uh, Vin Diesel's success with Fast and Furious has left this other franchise kind of to languish in sure. um, in relative obscurity, I guess. Um, yeah. Now, would it have improved things for you if they had stuck to their original idea that instead of weird creatures coming out during the eclipse, if it had been ghosts? Yes, Here's a quick rewrite for them. Like, it, it's on Earth, and mm -hmm. it's this group of people, whatever, don't care, and ghosts come out during an eclipse, and we're on Earth. I, I know could be into you that. like, yes, I know you like being on Earth way more than being on any other planet. I know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did we ever, now I can't remember, did we watch 28 Days of Night or whatever it is? I don't think for so. For this podcast? Is that the vampire just, one? Did I just watch that for my own edification during the pandemic? I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever watched that. I know of it. Is that that's the one where it's vampires and they're like in Alaska yes. or something? Yes. And it's got Josh Hartnett, I wanna say. Is, is Sandra Bullock in that one? No. No, she's that's in a different days. That's yes. the okay, that's <laughs> yes, always that's the, the one about And I have seen that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I have seen that one. That's a good one too, but a very different. Um, um Okay, yeah, this yeah, yeah, is, yeah. yeah, that one, the one I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure it has Josh Hartnett, and yeah, it's like vampires come to this remote Alaskan town where for one month in winter, it's basically night the whole time. Right. And Which that's is, much more interesting to me. I mean, and that's, if you've not ever watched that, that is a pretty good horror movie. I think I would, uh, yeah, I would like to watch that. So, okay, so if you, you would have liked this, this script to retain the ghosts rather than alien creatures... Vibe. Yeah, I think I could. Um, yes. Okay, fair enough. Um, also, I don't know if I'd call this a fun fact, but I thought it was kind of interesting <laughs> that, um, you know, basically, I like, because I'm like, an eclipse seems like it could be a good plot device in some mm -hmm. sense, um, but it's used very little. Um, when I looked up in Wikipedia, uh, a list Eclipse movies, <laughs> yeah, that's a list they've got. Um, <laughs> really? 
Yes. Now, I'm, I don't think it's necessarily a fully exhaustive list, but it certainly did include not like things that weren't just American movies. Um, mm-hmm. And so based on their list, before 1980, there were only eight movies that featured an eclipse. And, um, yeah, and then since 1980, or I should say inclusive of 1980 and forward, um, there have only been 28. And that's also low, considering how many movies have been made since 1980. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's kind of, that's why Hmm. I just, I was like, this is kind of interesting, because you would think that... And could you tell from... Oh, sorry. Could you tell from the title, if you didn't know the movies, like, if it seemed like they skewed sci-fi or horror or... Because it seems like that, it would be a device more in those genres. Because, like, in just... Unless it's, like... (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't... There's got to be a movie called Total Eclipse of the Heart, and it's, like... uh, (laughs) And it's a rom-com, and it, like, happens in an eclipse or something. Let me see if I can find that weird list again. I know it was on Wikipedia. I don't recall... Because it's a little bit of a weird plot device in, like, a sort of what you might call, like... List of films, list of films featuring eclipses. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, the very first one is literally just sh- the capturing a solar eclipse. So that makes sense. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a documentary called someone just like. It's called. Okay. It's from 1907 and it's just called. Oh, wow. The Eclipse or the Courtship of the Sun and Moon. And it's a French silent film showing a solar eclipse. Oh, wow. Um, Then, yeah, so this is what's weird. It's like, so it goes 1907. The next one featuring an eclipse as part of a plot device is until 1935. Um, And so... So this movie is revolutionary. I guess I take back everything I said. No, it's interesting, (laughs) actually. As for genre, the pre-1980 stuff... Um, is not in any way connected to science fiction um, with the Hmm. exception of 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's just kind of a mixed bag of various stuff. Um, And then the 1980s film or the 1980 film that features an eclipse, which I actually quite like, and it also has American treasure Betty Davis in it, is The Watcher (laughs) in the Woods. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, it's a good, um, like, uh, from the Disney live action days of the 70s and early 80s. And I don't think it's got Jodie Foster in it, but there's, like, some teen girl who went missing during an eclipse, like, you know, 13 years before or whatever. It's really good. It's definitely worth a watch if you are into that. Okay. Um, But, yes, then subsequently... Um, it's Watcher in the Woods, a thing called Bloody Birthday, a thing called Dragon Slayer, a Ooh. thing called Lady Hawk, Little Shop of Horrors, The Seventh Sign. Oh, in, yeah. In, 19, in 1994, there is a movie called Eclipse. Um, <laughs> uh, then, yeah, so we've got horror films, historical time sense. travel films seem to use it mm. quite a bit. Um... Oh, From Dusk Till Dawn 2, so that's vampires. 
Um, Vampires make sense. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all these, like, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all kind of, like, occult stuff, horror stuff, historical things. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a mixture of maybe, let's say, genre films after 1980. That makes sense. That use eclipse as part of eclipses as plot devices. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, like even considering that, I'm like, but sh- like, why aren't more of them doing it? I mean, I'm, <laughs> right? yeah, I'm a little surprised too. Um, but nonetheless, as of now, we haven't seen many get on it, people. Movies. So, people, it's an if you're like market, <laughs> look, if you're a, a budding, burgeoning screenwriter, maybe get onto it. Um, now, other kind of interesting side notes that I think become apparent in the watching of this movie: um, it was filmed in Australia in the desert here. Um, mm. And in various, you know, sound stages here. And then leading Mm -hmm. into our discussion of the cast, um, you'll see that I've divided it into two parts, which I don't normally do. um, And I've divided it into the leads and the rest. Um, (laughs) And part of the reason I did that is because, according to Wikipedia and, like, some of the interviews with the screenwriters and directors of this movie, uh, three people were under the impression that they were the lead in this movie. Um, and I could, from, for someone who, like, didn't really know what was happening the entire time and just going by, like, screen time and the amount of times I saw a person's face, I get it. Yes, yes. And especially up until maybe just about two-thirds of the way, I would say they all get about the same amount of screen time. Um, so it would suggest, uh, some things, but I personally, if I was in, uh, cause apparently it made for some, quite a lot of like infighting on set, the belief that these three people had that they were the lead character. Um, but I feel have like if ever heard, have any of these people ever heard of an ensemble cast? Well, indeed. And I'm like, if I don't survive <laughs> the film, then I feel like I'm probably not the lead. <laughs> Like, definitely um, not. Yeah, like, I agree. Well, unless it's like the very, yeah, probably you're right. But even if it's like at the very end, I could say like there's a case to be right. made. I think there's but a case to be like, made for one person being like the co-lead. Yeah. But the third yeah. person, I'm like, you barely make it. You make it like two thirds of the movie. So it can't be and you. Also, I was like, yeah. And, and I would also say like, not that this always dictates who the lead of the movie is, but, like, have they seen the cover? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess in filming, they haven't developed necessarily they didn't the artwork see that yet. <laughs> going along with it. Um, Fair. So, and in fairness to them, I even Vin Diesel didn't know. Like, nobody knew that this was going to be his real star-making vehicle, which it was. Like, aside from whether you liked this or not, which I already know you didn't. um, I didn't. This was what became the way he got into all the other things he's now gotten into. Um, Sure. So maybe we'll start with him. Um, Okay. 
the character, which I had to laugh when I realized this was his full name. The character's name is Richard B. Riddick. Which is like, yeah. I, I feel like that's so, like, I'm like, Riddick as a last name is cool. Oh my God. But like because Richard d- because B. Riddick, it, like what? Okay. Do you think that they did that on purpose? Because does that mean like Dick B. Riddick? Maybe. I don't know. There's nothing in Wikipedia about that. I'll say that. That's, I hate this movie more now, but, (laughs) (laughs) but continue. Um, I'm just looking to see if there's anything in Wikipedia about this, because I didn't go down this rabbit hole before. Um, I feel like someone who is gross thought that, thought of that. Possibly. Um... Because what's the B there for otherwise? I don't know. Hold on. Let's see. Powers and abilities. I don't care about his powers and abilities. Um, what's, no. what's, what's Vin Diesel? Speaking of Vin Diesel, what's his real name? It's probably like Tony. <laughs> it's Mark Sinclair. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Um, oh, it says right there. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I don't know where this name came from because all it says is that in Jim and Ken Wheat's original script for Pitch Black, originally the woman was named Taris Krieg. Um, Hmm. So I don't know where that came from. Um, Weird. Oh, I will. uh, I think that's worth mentioning too that this is, we don't see this much in movies these days. This was an original idea. Not based on a comic book, not based on a novel, not based on any previously existing IP other than just how everything is based on, you know, stuff you've everything. consumed of your life. Like, this was I something... I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> it, it reminded me of, like, every piece of shit I've ever seen, though, at the same time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, um, but, like, 23 years ago... Maybe it would have seemed more original. Maybe. Because now, like, more and more has, like, developed on top of this. Um, Right. Like, it looked like Dune at certain points, and I was like, this is why I don't want to watch Dune. Yeah. Desert planets are not one of my favorite places to be in science fiction as well. I know that's true. Um, But, yes, to go back to Vin Diesel himself, he was 33 (laughs) uh, when he portrayed Richard B. Riddick. Um, as you pointed out, his real name is not Vin Diesel. It is Mark Sinclair. Uh, he has a fraternal twin. Yes, he has. It's even dorkier. His fraternal twin's brother is Paul. Yeah, that's not surprising. Where did he come up with? Okay, I have a lot of questions about him. Um, Continue. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And some of them may be answered through this. So uh, he was born in California, but then um, raised in Greenwich Village. Uh, I guess if Hmm. he's 33 in... So yeah, he's born in 67. So he spends the 70s and 80s in Greenwich Village uh, being raised by... Yeah, being raised by his astrologer mom... Um, he never has met his biological father, 
Um, but his adoptive father is black. Um, and in terms of what Vin Diesel has publicly said about this father, um, it's unclear if his father is a person of color or not, um, but he has said various things that suggest, you know, like a multicultural background, but his mom is white. Um, and so... I mean, I'm not going to question anybody, but I do feel like that might play into his, like... Whole thing. Brand. Yes. But yes, yeah. Yes. Um, in fact, intriguingly... Um, his third credit is a short film that he wrote and directed called Multifacial that came out in 1995. Whoa. And it was about being a ethnically ambiguous, an ethnically ambiguous actor. Oh. And like what that kind of entailed um, at the hmm. time. Um, so yeah, I think I think it suits him probably and and ironically, it probably didn't help in 1995, but it has increasingly yeah. helped as yeah. kind of the push for better representation across yeah. entertainment platforms has started to be happening. Because he can right. just... And the disdain for white men, you know. Right, right. So he can sort of <laughs> opt out of that <laughs> as he likes. Yeah, um, fair, uh, which is fair. Yeah, I, if I were a white man, I'd try to opt out as well. Um, and so, you know, like he's able to kind of fit into um, broader, more multicultural casting efforts, etc. Um yeah. And that's fine. I'm not trying to debate that. And he doesn't seem particularly interested in tracking down this biological father. So why should we care? Um, He created his stage name, Vin Diesel, while working as a bouncer at the Tunnel Nightclub in Manhattan. Okay. Um, That's and the Vin part, if I remember correctly, is like a variation on one of, um, I think it's his mom's maiden name. Last name is Vincent. So that's okay. where that comes from. And the diesel part uh, is like something to do with like his amount of energy or something. Um, okay. I don't, you know, I think to me, I think it's one of those things that like, you know, he was working as a bouncer at a Manhattan club yeah. in his early 20s. And he, some night someone was just like, Vin Diesel, man, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, he was like, this sounded cool. Like, let's yeah. be real. And then, like, so I just, cool. I, and it kept working. So I kept yeah. using it. <laughs> and now yeah. it's my name. And whether I feel good about it or not, this is what I've become professionally. So this is what I am. Like, I mean, it's better than Mark Sinclair, let's be real. I don't but, know. I feel like Mark Sinclair sounds like an actory name. I mean, it does. But when you see him, it doesn't match him. And maybe it's just because now I see him as Vin Diesel, but like, right. it, it doesn't match his vibe. Okay. And then, then here comes my question that I like to ask. Oh, oh boy. But I will, okay. but, I, but I will ask it, but I'll ask it in a more specific way because like, I know that he's supposed to be attractive. <laughs> I know that that's like, no, no, no. But like, I know that's like his thing. He's like, that's supposed to be sexy being like, right. and like, I don't, I don't enunciate like we think that's cute. Um, I don't enunciate. Do you think he's attractive? Is that your type? Because it is a very specific type. 
Yeah. I'm so I will say that I was surprised because in a couple shots in this movie, I was like, oh, he's kind of attractive. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason why I thought that is because he hadn't yet super bulked up. True. So he's he was very quite, muscular. He's a little bit. But yeah. like, um, but like muscular in a way that I was like, that looks like a normal man who goes to the gym kind of way. Um, I mean, a little which bit is still, bigger than probably normal, but yeah. Which is still not really my type, but I was like, oh, okay, that's like a normal guy. Like, he looks like a normal, handsome guy sort of thing. Um, sure. Now, I personally am not a fan of the fully bald head man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it works for him, but no, he is not for me, but... And okay. he's and he's decreasingly for me the kind of bulkier he gets. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's my feeling. But that's like, if you if you do a image search for Vin Diesel on Google, and there's like, I'm trying to think, where did that like? If you really scroll down a number of rows, where did I just find that one that I was like, that looks normal? And I, oh yeah, wait, like many rows down, there's something. <laughs> Uh, from Rotten Tomatoes, it's like at the center of the screen, and he's just in a black T-shirt and jeans. And it, I mean, it's also probably easily from probably around the pitch black time. And I'm like, yeah, he looks like a good-looking guy. Still not really my type, but good-looking guy. Um, yeah. And then as he's gotten kind of beefier and whatever, I'm just like, mm, no, not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Fair my feeling to. on that. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody cares about my opinion because everybody probably knows it. But like, yeah, I get it. Um. So he's one that really like from looking at these. I will say this. <clears throat> I said nobody wants to hear my opinion. I'm gonna give my opinion. But like, if from this Google image search. He is someone who I will say he's a little bit of a chameleon when it comes to mm. looks. Some of these pictures are, I'm going to go ahead and say it straight up bad. Like yeah, I would look at that yeah. picture and be like, that's an unattractive <laughs> person. And yeah. then some of them I'm like, oh, that's a cute guy. Oh, now see, he's cute in this picture to me. And that's also probably from 40 years ago. <laughs> Maybe not 40. Maybe not 40. Yeah. But like, I mean, this movie um, only came out 24 years ago, so... No, yeah, but so this one is, like, very... Go. Like, but this looks like something almost per, perhaps before he was famous, definitely before he was this bulked. Um, and he looks just kind of like... Uh, I don't even know what you would say he looks like, but cuter than... This. Yeah, just regular anyway, he's, he's guy. Like, just regular. <laughs> yeah, just like kind of like a regular. Uh, yeah, he yeah he really is. Look at these. His, he's confu- a confusing one to me. Because, looking at all these pictures, because like some pictures really, he looks like a straight up dork even, and like it's, it's confusing. Well, anyway. I think he is a bit of a dork because he has talked about um, the fact. And, and to be clear, not that being a dork makes you ugly, but like no, some of them. It doesn't. 
Yeah. Are just not good pictures. Yeah. I guess is what it is. Um, but, but he is a dork because he ta- when he talks about Fast and Furious movies, he talks about them and compares them to, like, Norse mythology and stuff. So he is, like, deep into that weird stuff. Um, I don't and, know what that means. Is that a dork or is that someone who's, like, mentally unwell? <laughs> I mean, it could be both, <laughs> I suppose. Um, or someone I, who's looking for mean, meaning in something that is just, like, a silly-ass movie. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I think there's that at, at play as well. But I, I don't... It's the kind of thing that people have also said about the Marvel Universe, too. Like, that these are, like, modern-day myths, fairy tales, epics, chronicles, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, and they create, um, kind of a lineage of heroes that people want to hear their stories and know their stories and whatever. Um, and this is like born of his own engagement, which I think he's talked about publicly of like being kind of a nerd of a kid who liked Dungeons and Dragons and other things like that. And that's why a lot of guys do that, that road of getting beefy is to make up for the fact that they may They're have been super dorks. scrawny as a kid or <laughs> yeah. dorky or something. Um, that is their way to be like, well, now I will beat you up. Yeah. Um, now, in his case, this is probably one of the most meteoric rises to fame I have ever seen in the context of this podcast. His third credit on IMDb is the short film he makes in 1995, Multifacial. His fifth mm-hmm. credit, Saving Private Ryan. His sixth credit, Voicing the Iron Giant. This is his ninth credit. So between 1995 and 2000, he goes from like a 12-minute short film he directed himself to being the t- like title, well, no, there isn't a title role, but like the lead character in this movie. Um, and... Especially and like the and the picture on the damn cover poster yeah. and and it's one that as you mentioned before was a success right so he does that yeah. in nine moves and Fast and Furious the original comes out the following year two thousand one that is crazy I will give him that I can take and back any of the negative things I might have said that is impressive. And he is in actually I learned four separate franchises that all take off. In well, three take off in the early 2000s, one takes off a bit later. So he's in this movie, then he's in Fast and Furious, then he's in Triple X in 2002. Um, Triple X also breeds a franchise of which another one of these is also on the way. Um, it's all, I guess, it's it's all really stuff that I hate, I'll be honest. It's but not, most of it is not for me, although I do like the later Fast and Furious movies. Those are kind of fun. Um, and then finally... I, I liked a couple of the Fast and Furious, I'll say that. Yeah, and then finally, he is also Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy. So four different wow. franchises that he but you is didn't a mention, part of. You didn't mention the Pacifier. I did not mention the pacifier. <laughs> it's true. You, that is a very apt observation. <laughs> well, I mean, good for him. He's figured it out, I guess. Yeah, but like truly, I don't think I've ever seen a career 
like this for anybody else that we've talked about. (laughs) Like, um, you, you can say you don't like him. You can say he's a bad actor, you know, like whatever you like, but, um, the, the rise to this level of stardom and like being in demand and being at the house, being at the, not just being in four franchises. Um, he is like the star person in three of them. So, yeah, that's like, wild. Wait a second. Have you wait? Have you seen a picture of his fraternal twin? Uh, I don't think so. Because uh, I'm having, I'm confused. I know Why? fraternal they twins look quite a lot alike. No, they look very, very different to me. I guess mm. I sort of see it, but they look very, very different. I think his twin is arguably. I, uh, I know I'm usually in the minority with this. More attractive. Hmm. Oh wait, let me see. I what I what Twin I brother. googled was what I googled was Paul Sinclair, and yeah. it comes up. There's a picture of him and Vin Diesel sitting next to each other. I mean, it's yeah, like they're, they're fraternal. Thing. Yeah, I see. Yeah, they're fraternal twins, so they're not meant to be looking yeah, exactly alike. But they do look quite different, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it just what a what a weird. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems so strange. Like, oh, apparently, Rami Malik. Rami Malik also has a twin brother. So that would be so strange FYI. to be like. Can, can you imagine, like, especially if it's an identical twin, like, you're screwed. But, like... Well, because, yeah, Rami Malek's brother looks a lot like him, but I don't know if they're technically identical or not. Right, but um, even if you're, like, not identical, but you look a lot alike, like, at, what if you were, like, out trying to live your life? You're like, I'm not fucking famous, and someone's And like, someone's oh bothering God. me, yeah. <laughs> or you could make... It could be kind of fun, I guess, too, but... Um, uh, what a weird, just, it's weird to, like, I feel like have a family member be famous yeah. and you're just, like, yeah. normal. I think that's probably right. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. So then now let's move on to the person who I think could legitimately believe she is also the lead of this movie, which is a character called Carolyn Fry, played by a 27-year-old Rada Mitchell, who um, is a Melbourneian by birth. So what, what, Melbourne in the house, yay. <laughs> um, so Australian, for those of you who are not familiar with Australian cities. Um, she, her full name is Rada Rani Amber Indigo Ananda Mitchell. Um, okay, that's long. Yes, and she attributes this name to her mom being interested in various forms of Eastern and specifically Indian religions during the 1970s. Um, do each of those, um, do each of those, I guess... They probably have <laughs> some sort decide. of significance, but I'm not sure what and it I would wonder, be. Yeah, and I wonder if in, like... Other cultures, like in in American culture, we would say like, could you just not pick a name, or is like which one's the middle name and which <laughs> one's like the first name here? Um, but maybe in like another culture, it's like, oh no, we have 
six names yeah i would just call you the one or whatever yeah i don't that is not mentioned anywhere that Um, is interesting when that is a long yeah (laughs) it is exceptionally long um i see why maybe she had to pare it down for like sag purposes indeed um (laughs) and then that would also be and that because if she had gone by that whole thing then it would be bad to all the other people who might be called ronnie amber or indigo ananda or like any variation on that because she would have taken oh, but all actually, of it. Like, but all yeah, but also I would have loved it too if like that name was like her full name was like on a movie poster. <laughs> it would be, be very like, starring <laughs> giant marquee for that. And, or, uh, or like she wins an Oscar and they're like, and the Oscar goes to Rada, Ronnie, Amber, Indigo, Ananda, Mitchell. Like that'd be fun. I it's kinda, a lot. I wish she would go by it all. I know. Um, perhaps part of the reason she doesn't is because she actually began as a child actor. Um, and her very first credit is like a kid, Sugar an Australian, and Spice. yeah, it's an Australian kid show called Sugar and Spice. Oh. Um, she also does, uh, 61 episodes of Neighbors, which as we've talked about as one of the proven grounds for Australian actors. Um, mm-hmm. she was also... Around this time in the movie Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Um, oh, I feel like I've seen that. I don't think I ever have, but I like the kind of conceit of it. Um, and then she is someone who has continued to work uh, this whole time fairly steadily uh, and has six upcoming things. And it wasn't clear to me if they were Australian or not, but I think presumably they are. Um, Mm -hmm. and then there's the third person who believed himself to be the lead, which is to me the, like the least convincing of the three, because he dies, um, I guess kind (laughs) of like at the, at the end of, or start like end of act two, start of act three sort of thing. Um, and the character's name is William J. Johns played by 25 year old Cole Hauser, um, who I learned is actually... I recognized him. I recognized him, too. And what I recognized him from was Dazed and Confused. Um, because he's one of the oh, football jocks in that movie. Oh, I recognized him from Goodwill Hunting. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, he is the, let's see, um, great, great grandson of one of the Warner brothers because his mom hmm. is Cass Warner um, and she's the granddaughter. So I guess maybe he's the great, if she's the granddaughter, he would be the great grandson um, of one of the original founding Warner brothers. Um, okay. Yeah. So we've already mentioned a couple of his previous credits prior to this. Um, after this, he appears in too fast, too furious um, so I guess maybe he and Vin Diesel got along well enough. I guess. Um, and he's currently... I think Vin Diesel has a good amount of pull on those Fast and Furious movies. I do wonder if at the second one, if he was that important or not. Maybe not. Um, maybe not at that point. But, but I do know now, and I think does. I know this from yes. listening. Yeah. He's, he seems but, to be kind of quite one of the creative forces behind yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that i think i learned this in watching how did this get made i'm pretty sure he and the rock have stuff written into their contracts about like how many times they can each get hit yes and who gets to win fights and all that stuff yes 
Um, and I, I think I think I know this also from how did this get made that because of those kinds of particulars, The Rock has been like pushed out of that franchise because they just butt butted heads too much. And well, so, because I th- yeah, because I think like when The Rock came in, he, he was like popular in it. And people liked him in it, and I think Vin Diesel got salty about that. Right. Well, because like, he was oh like, my "You God. already have a bald, muscly guy. What are you doing? I Get know. him out of it's, here!" I was going to say exactly that. They are if if typecasting exists, they are the exact <laughs> same. It's like big, yeah. burly, beefy, bald guy of a similar age to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, didn't um, even like speaking of speaking of the pacifier. I'm pretty sure. That The Rock did a movie Has that also, was, like, yes. the same. Yes, where he's, like, a nanny or a something of that nature. Because they're, like, funny, yes. funny, big man in right. apron. Right, big man taking care of kids like a dumb woman. <laughs> 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 that is hilarious. Um, yeah, so, I, I yeah, I think they did not get along. And, well, because as well, like, because yeah. Vin is, like, here's this guy who is, like, actually me, but, like, a better version of me. Like, he's more handsome yeah. he's bigger he's than like me an actual he's good at acting <laughs> and he's yeah. actually funny like he's got Oof. the whole package compared to me and i i simply I mean, he, won't have him in my movies anymore yeah i get i do yeah for sure because if you think about the rock you know i mentioned the monotoneness and like the mumbliness of Vin Diesel. The right. Rock is quite animated in yeah. his, like, yeah. So he no, is quite different he in has, terms of delivery. Yes, he has always been, um, I don't, hmm, I think he's a pretty decent actor, particularly, like, for comedy and action stuff. Um, and he's he a Moana. Has, yeah, and he has been good at that. <laughs> From the very start, because acting is actually an integral component to being a professional wrestler. <laughs> so yeah, and his whole and his whole like shtick of like, do you smell what the Rock is cooking? Ooh, right, like that yeah. whole deal yeah. is like, yeah, it's very theatrical. Yeah. Um, so anyway, back to Cole Hauser. Anyway. <laughs> Nothing like either of these two men. Um, he too has had a pretty good solid career and he is currently appearing as the character Rip Wheeler. I know nothing about the series Yellowstone, but he is in oh. that. So there's okay. that. Um, so those are the three people who one could imagine might be perceived as the leads in this movie. Um, and then there's what I'm calling the rest. <laughs> um, <laughs> And in the rest category, topping the list is Abu Imam Al-Walid, played by a 44-year-old Keith David, who we already know from The Thing. Um, yeah. And then we have... I didn't know anybody's name in this movie, P.S., by I, the way, except no, for Riddick. I did not know anyone's name either. I kept calling... Well, Riddick, I just kept calling VD for Vin Diesel, as you'll see <laughs> in the outline. And then for... Let's see... I kept calling Carolyn Fry pilot and William J. Johns guard. And then Keith David, I kept calling Keith David. Um, (laughs) And then this next character, Paris P. Ogilvie, played by a 42-year-old Louis Fitzgerald, I called British guy. Um, Is he the guy who wore a blanket the whole time? Yes, and he was the one who had the fancy, like, accoutrements and... Like, had access to booze and things. 
Um, so he's an Australian actor as well. So the, most of the rest of the cast is actually Australian because this is filmed in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. So he has mostly worked in Australian television, um, which means he has done an episode of Farscape, which we talked about a long, long time ago. <laughs> Um, a few episodes of Home and Away, an episode of Miss Fisher, an episode of Janet King. These are all kind of like very, um, if you know any Australian television shows, you would know some of these. Um, most recently he's been in a TV series called Queen of Oz, which I actually am kind of interested to watch because it's got this British woman who's playing a distant relative of the British royal family, and she's sent to Australia to, to like, because there's some weird connection where, like, technically Australia is still a colony of Britain. I don't totally get the kind of nuances of it. Um, And so this show is about, like, she's basically, like, transported um, as punishment to be queen of Australia. Um, Interesting. And then also NCS... NCIS Sydney, which recently started. So anyone wondering how the NCIS franchise is doing, great. (laughs) It's doing great. Um, Next, we have a character called Sharon Shazza Montgomery, um, played by a uh, 28-year-old Claudia Black, who we talked about a long time ago when we talked about Farscape. So there's two different Mm. Farscape connections here. Um, Since that time, she's added quite a bit to her list of credits, um, most of which was kind of unremarkable to my mind, but I wanted to point out that she appears in the more recent, this is like a Star Wars spinoff series called Ahsoka, and she's been doing quite a bit of voice work as well. Um, Next, we have a character called Jack, played by a 15-year-old Rihanna Griffith, also Australian, um, began as a child model. Um, And in fact, the original storyline for her was that she was going to just be a young girl for the entirety of the movie. Um, But Mm -hmm. at some point along the way, they decided that, um, as we'll discuss, that she was going to pretend she was a boy for the start of the movie, and then it would be revealed that she was actually... um, a young girl. Um, okay. This is directly from her IMDb bio, which I thought was interesting. Um, it said, with the release of the Chronicles of Riddick and Dark Fury in June 2004, thousands of people swarmed her fan club's website trying to find out why she was shut out of the sequel that should have been hers by right. Whoa. Yes. Fans are crazy. <laughs> Well, also, this is crazy. It suggests that, like, she was owed a part in the next movie. Well, and all of it. Like, what if she was like, I don't want to be in it? Or what if they didn't, like... I mean, there's, yeah, so much about that is, like, people don't understand how the world works. Yeah. So, needless to say, (laughs) her kind of film career, uh, acting career is quite brief. She has 11 total credits. Um, and the last one was in 2005. So whatever she's doing now, she has moved on to something else. Um, her fans are pissed. 
Apparently. I mean, I think they've gotten over if they have if they haven't gotten over it in 20 years, then I don't know what to tell them. Yeah, they got some problems. Um, and then finally, we have John Zeke Ezekiel played by a 32 year old John Moore, um, who I'm not totally sure it wasn't. Uh, he doesn't really have a bio page, but um, I'm fairly certain he's an Aboriginal actor. Um, mm. And had a, an okay run. He has a total of 37 credits, the first in 1989. Um, mm-hmm. He did some episodes of The X-Files. He was in Home and Away. He was in the dubious film White Chicks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then his last credit is in 2017. So I'm not sure if he was, like, kind of doing other stuff along the way um, or what, but uh, I would... I oh wait let me click on his name in Wikipedia to see what it does. Um, yeah, he has a, a very brief Wikipedia page as well, um, and so yeah, all I can infer from this is it's likely that he's retired, um, and that's about all I can say of him. Um, and as, and this is basically, there are, there are literally three other people who round out the ensemble, but they are just like seemingly nameless Muslim boys. So, um, and, and their whole kind of claim to fame is that they get killed on screen. Um, so I will just mention their names just for the sake of, um, so that they get the name cred. Um, Les Chantry, uh, Sam Sari and Faraz Dirani play those three boys. And that's pretty much all we've got to deal with here. Um, okay. Now, why don't you... Let's talk about this piece of shit. Yeah. Why don't you set the scene for us, the opening scene, and, and why you reacted so poorly to it immediately? Because the literal opening picture mm-hmm. was fucking space yep. and a big ass slow ship going through it. Yep. And I was I was immediately like, fucking A. You hate that. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, and it just, I just like, I mean, from that moment, I was like, I'm not going to like this. Uh... Yes. And then it and then it start and then it and it continued to prove my point by going directly into a space problem. Yes. Well, but before the space problem though is I see it. that you've written that there was VO and I'm going to tell you already that I didn't even hear it because What do you mean you didn't was, hear it? I was already just like, "Oh, cuz I was like audibly being like, "Oh, I hate this already." <laughs> So, wait. So, so I then, wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. So then do you want me to read to you what Vin Diesel says to give us the only information we have to set up the movie? Or do you want to read it to me? To You can read it and I'll okay. try to take it in because I don't think I took it in. Okay. I mean, I know I didn't. And, and I'll try and do it the way he does it. Uh, like not oh, no, in his don't do it that way. voice, <laughs> but like in no, the way. No, his cadence... His cadence is hard for me to listen to. Yeah. Um, okay. So don't do that. <laughs> well, 
I'll read it dramatically. How about that? Okay, okay. Um, they say your, most of your brain shuts down in cryosleep. All but the primitive side. The animal side. No wonder I'm still awake. Transporting me with civilians. Sounded like 40, 40 plus. Heard an Arab voice. Some hoodoo holy man. Probably on his way to New Mecca. But what route? What route? Smelled a woman. Sweat, boots, tool belt, leather. Prospector type. Free settlers. And they only take the back roads. And here's my real problem. Mr. John's blue-eyed devil. Planning on taking me back to Slam. Only this time he picked a ghost lane. A long time between stops. A long time for something to go wrong. That's I all hated we get. that. What do you mean you hated that? I think I did very well. <laughs> Not you. It wasn't the you of it all. It was everything. That, it was exactly what was written. I didn't like any of it. And I don't feel that told me anything. I didn't get anything out of that. Well, like, so so what's happening as we're hearing this disembodied voice go is the camera is panning through across passengers who are all in cryo sleep. So like yeah. as he's saying transporting me with civilians it sounded like this many people he heard an arab voice some hoodoo holy man the camera passes across keith david's face so we're like okay, okay. so he's the holy man and then he smells a woman and then it shows uh shaza in the cryo sleep um, I don't like that. I don't like the, when you say I smell the woman. That I don't like that. No, I I don't like it either. I'm just saying that's and then when he says Mr. Johns, it shows Cole uh Hauser's face. And um so then so that's what's happening. Okay. So so I got like even with like to the to be clear, the very little that I re- like understood of this movie or paid attention to this movie like I understood the fact that he was like a convict that was right. also in there because with them. the pan the sh- camera also pans to show him locked up and bl- blindfolded in a special chamber separate from other people and what <laughs> where, where were they? I like what's the thought process there like they they, the rest of the people on this team were doing what? What was the plan? Had they not landed on this, like, had the problem, where, what, was the, what was the outcome? Well, so that's what this is setting up. It's saying that um, Keith David and the three Muslim boys that he's with, they're on their way to New Mecca, which is, you know, some planet, presumably somewhere. Okay. Um, and then Shaza and Zeke are settlers also going to some other planet. Um, and Literally this, just, like, moving to a new planet? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do we know, what, like, what about, like, is this in the future or this is just, like... 
Um, in this movie, they don't soups make it clear. I think <laughs> later on, like in the subsequent Chronicles of Riddick and stuff, then they like blow they out, flesh that out a bit. the the kind of because like yeah, I was looking when I was looking up about Riddick, the character himself, and like was there a reason for it, his name? Um, it sounds like what they do. So like, Pitch Black is just meant to be this one contained story. It hits really yeah. well, and then they make Chronicles of Riddick. So they build it out. So they build it out, and so in Chronicles of Riddick, all of a sudden, um, Riddick isn't human anymore. He's from a different planet, um, and okay. then it's like 500 years in the future, or you know, like it, then it's different. Okay. But in this okay. one, they don't really pin us down to anything, which I think is actually a better way to go. Um, but obviously, based on just like the notion that there's cryo sleep and that people are regularly traveling to different planets, to I other mean, planets. it's got to be a solid, let's say conservatively, a hundred years from now. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, though they, but they don't tell us that. They just are like, okay. You know. um, and yeah, so this is the setup that, and I guess. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say. And so then, so we know that there's Keith David and his set of young men who are going to New Mecca. There's um, Shaza and Zeke who are settlers, and they presumably are part, I bet there's probably more settlers because it's a group of 40 people um, at the start. Um, And then Johns, who is the person who is taking, Johns is taking uh, Vin Diesel back to jail again on some other planet. Don't know what one. Um, I think they so, should have a separate convict transport, but well, whatever. Well, that's what we learn because later it's revealed that Johns has pretended to all of the people on. Well, so first of all, the passengers on the ship don't know that Riddick, the con- convict, is on it. They're not told. Only, okay. like, uh, Carolyn and the first officer and the captain are told that he's there. And he's in a separate area, separate place. And that's presumably at John's request because John's is actually not, like, the police officer that we take him to be or, like, military officer that we take him to be at the start. It's revealed midway through the movie that he's just a bounty hunter. And so, therefore, you know, has dubious motivations anyway. Um, So, but he has let people believe he's, like, a more official law enforcement personality. Okay. So that's that's the kind of setup to this. So what you first imagine, based on this VO... Is that the problem that's the, the something that's going to go wrong is going to be Vin Diesel being a crime guy in you know in some capacity. What actually turns out to be the start of a series of subsequent space problems is that micrometeoroids penetrate the ship's hull and effectively act like bullets going through the hull and people and cryosleep chambers, etc. And so it's their bad luck that the captain is effectively shot to death 
by these micrometeoroids straight away. Oof. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, So the first minutes of the movie are us pretty much immediately dropping into um, this ship is crashing. And the pilot, who is Carolyn, and the first officer are trying to do something to try and address the situation to little effect. Carolyn, in particular, is jettisoning portions of the ship um, in an effort to try and land the ship safely on this random-ass planet that they, I would say, that they actually, like, quite luckily happen to be near. Um, I was going to say. Because if this happened somewhere else, I guess the thing would, like, blow up in space, presumably? I'm not totally sure. Yeah. Um, but so she jettisons bits of the ship, um, and one of the things she attempts to jettison is the portion of the ship that is carrying the passengers. Um, and her first officer says like, no, you can't do that. And she's like, I just want to save my life. I don't care about any of these other fucks. Um, I mean, she doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't say it that way, but that's what's going on very real though um but the reason she can't do this is because the lever that she needs to like release that portion of the ship is jammed so it's not her she doesn't like second guess this it's like she she literally can't do it um Mm -hmm. so then the ship crashes down onto this desert planet uh it's torn apart and then we go to a full black screen for you know like a handful of seconds Um, when we come back, the ship is crashed, everything, you know, and there's the typical crashed ship sounds of like alarms and that sound that's like, I don't really know what goes into making a spaceship or any ship for that matter. But like, it sure seems like when any of them crash, there's that sound of like steam, right? That like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. stuff, like, breaking, and then steam comes out and stuff. So there's, like, that and people shouting because anyone who has survived the crash. We've talked about this before. We don't want to be in a plane crash. I'll also add I don't want to be in a spaceship crash. Oh, of course not. I'm shocked that like, anyone probably survives worse. this. <laughs> like, yeah, it's insane. But, again, there wouldn't be any movie if everyone died in the first eight minutes of the movie. I would have, um, I would have preferred that movie. I'm not going to lie. It I know you would have. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't have probably done the box office numbers, but I would have preferred it. Yeah. Now, in this chaos, Johns realizes that Vin Diesel's cell has been compromised. And so he goes to the point, the area of the ship where that, uh, like, sleeping chamber was and what does Vin Diesel do to him? Um, I didn't remember this, but you wrote that he tries to strangle him with his feet. Yeah, so like he's hiding up in the ceiling of the ship, and when Johns is walking around, down his feet come <laughs> to strangle him. From above. That is a pretty good move. Do you think you had to have the foot strength or the foot dexterity to strangle someone? 
I don't even think I have the hand strength or dexterity to strangle one, let alone with my feet. Like, well, I think you, I think, well, not to be really dark, but I think you would have more strength than you think in your hands because it doesn't like, if you, I only know this from watching a lot of horror movies and weird things, but if you do it for long enough in the right place, like it doesn't have to be that much pressure. Actually. I guess not. I, maybe if someone but was your asleep. Feet. But my feet definitely. Yeah, I mean, know. yeah, you, well, yeah. I also, mean, you would have to be. This this suggests that I am also doing a pull up while strangling yes. someone with my feet, yes. which I simply couldn't do. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be just, like, uh, yeah, no way. I would be, yeah, I would just be like a flailing body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And and immediately, as is often the case, like one space problem gets multiple space problems. So we have. A prisoner that's on the loose who's trying to kill somebody. Simultaneously, the first officer, because everyone's been, like, knocked around by this crash, the first officer has been punctured by a piece of metal. And, um, you know, like, the question becomes, what are we to do with this guy? Because we don't have any way to medically help him. Um, and Carolyn is now the only remaining officer on the ship. Um, and so she ultimately decides to kind of kill this guy out of mercy. And I kind of missed this, but it's referred to later in the movie. But apparently, like, she can't actually do the killing bit. So she, like, leaves that up to John's to do. Um which will come to be mentioned later. Um, meanwhile, Johns is also telling Carolyn about the fact that uh, the prisoner has escaped. And needless to say, the surviving passengers overhear this conversation. Um, and it's this is weird to me because, like, if I had just survived a spaceship crash and we were in a desert... And everyone except one person in charge is dead. <laughs> I don't know that my number one priority would be let's find the the guy who's a criminal. Like, no. I think I would be like, can we contact... I mean, here I don't even know if... Where's a radio? Yeah, like, can we contact someone, like, the relevant person who can get a rescue out to us? Like, let's focus on that. That would probably be my number one thing. Then it would be, like, what's, uh, what do we need to survive here and how long do we think we might need to do that for? Um, what can be salvaged yeah. from this ship for that purpose of survival? Um are there other survivors that we should be looking for? Um, like these things would all be much more top of mind to me. Yeah. Then I'd be like, so you're telling me a prisoner ran away. So like, yes, it does seem like he has a history of being like a horrible and fierce murderer. So that's not great. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say would it would, it also, you know, his, Crimes would also be, you know, if he was, like, a drug dealer, I'd be like, I'm not concerned. I would be like, if I was, effing don't care. 
at all. Like I, I think that. don't care. And maybe does he even have any here? Yeah. Has he because, got drugs? Like, we right are in trouble. I don't normally do this, but now I would yeah. really enjoy some mood alteration yeah. uh, of a pretty intense capacity. Like, yeah, please. exactly. Um, but the fact that he is a brutal murderer does, you know, amp it up a bit. a bit. But Yeah. But like, even so, I'm like, if he ran away, I don't care. Like, yeah. If he's just that, trying to survive too or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they, but for whatever reason, the, everybody seems to jump quite quickly on board to the idea that what they should do first is I f- figure out where Vin Diesel is. Mm-hmm. Um, now again, we get some tropes here. They've landed on a desert planet that has three suns, and the positioning of the sun is such that there can never be night on this planet. Um, which seems like it would be very shitty. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to, I, I don't want to derail us too far, but if you had to choose between, I feel like I know your answer, but if you had to choose between like polar night, it's always nighttime Mm. or like a mid, a midnight sun, it's always daytime. Which do you prefer? Hmm. I think I might still choose day. Interesting. What about you? I think that I would... I really feel like I would choose a night. Yeah, I mean... But the thing I mean, is, the is like... Is either would get... Is, is exhausting... A bummer. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, because the truth is, like, I mean, I'm really not bothered by light in terms of sleeping, so I could definitely right. sleep same when it was yeah. light out. Yeah. I, I, so I may be changing my answer the more I talk about it, but, like, because I, I do think I would struggle with being at all. If we're talking about we have to, like, live a place and, like, be productive parts of society, I think I would struggle with it being dark all the time. Oh, Yeah. I, like, I, that, for me, that's not even, like, a real question. I'm like, no, I would much <laughs> rather, I would much rather have to find a way to, like, sleep and whatever with daylight than, yeah. than to, like, have to create false daylight to make me, yeah. like, not feel bummed out or whatever. Like, yeah, there's something about, like, the, the night all the time that seems kind of, like, cozy and, like, a little bit fun, but I do think that it, that the novelty would wear off. I mean, just think about how you feel when you have to, like when it's deep winter and you have to get up for work and it's still dark out. And then just imagine your whole day and it's like, cause I remember like, especially when I lived in Idaho, it was like far enough up where like I would go to work and be in my office by like, I guess probably like somewhere around eight or so in the morning. And it would just barely be starting to be light Oh, yeah. And, and then I'd leave my office at, like, 4 or 5, and it would already starting to be it's dark. And dark. I was like, I don't like this. Like, Yeah, no. No, no, no. That it, I, I like to see some... No, that's true. I mean, I was in Iceland when, like, in this December when, like, the sun doesn't come up until, like, 11 a.m. and, like, sets again at 3. Like, it's weird. It's definitely yeah. weird. Yeah. Um... um yeah, so but they are now and I and I think it's different too like 
I wouldn't like to be on a desert planet that only has three suns and no night. Like, that no. isn't... But, like, if it, we're talking, that like... That sounds my, very hot. Yeah. If we're talking about, like, my normal life and it was just, like, now it's just always daytime, I'd be like, I could probably find a way <laughs> to adjust to yeah, that Yeah, I reality. could figure that out. Um, yeah. In the process of looking for Vin Diesel, they also decide that they want to investigate their surroundings because they've I guess someone has realized like they probably also need to care about survival until some rescue (laughs) comes um and this is when they start heading towards some things that they think are trees but in fact turn out to be the bones of some sort of massive ginormous animals um we never learn what those animals are um and as they're looking around through this boneyard um, it turns out Vin Diesel is in fact hiding in there in the bones of the animals. Um, <laughs> and at one point it looks as though Vin Diesel has fashioned a knife out of bone in order to stab Carolyn in the neck. Um, Yikes. yeah, but he actually then does something that is not nearly as bad as death, but is kind of weird which is he cuts a bit of her hair off without her realizing and then, like, smells it and then blows it into the wind for some reason. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's almost creepier. (laughs) Yeah, I would rather be killed, maybe, in a sense. (laughs) I would just be concerned about, like, what that meant for, like... For later, maybe. Yeah. 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 And I, I did wonder as well. Um... Meanwhile, Zeke has decided that he's going to busy himself burying the dead, which is a very noble thing to do, but I'm like, you guys haven't even established... In fact, I think they have established that they don't have any water, so I'm like, you shouldn't be exerting yourself doing that at this stage. Like, um, it just... Yeah, it's weird. Um, They end up finding an abandoned mining camp... Um, which seems to have some sort of, like, I couldn't tell if it was, like, because it was mining, they were drawing water up from beneath the surface, or if it somehow, like, created water out of nothing, but they find a water source at this camp, um, and by looking at one of the models that's been left or abandoned, Carolyn learns that this planet doesn't experience night because of the three suns. And in a great bit of luck, they've discovered a shuttle that can get them off the planet. Um, Although it is quite old and disused, so it will need repairs in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Back at the crash site, um, people working on the ship start to hear strange noises in different places Um, And they're all concerned that it's Vin Diesel, like, preparing to murder them. So... (laughs) They're really preoccupied by him. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, as a result of this, Zeke ends up shooting one of the other survivors in the head because he's knocking at the door of the ship. And, yeah, it's pretty weird. Um... But meanwhile, Vin Diesel is actually sitting atop the ship in a sun chair. Uh, So uh, that was a nice bit of humor that I enjoyed in this film. Um, It would have been funny if he had, like, uh, his nose had... um, Oh, like zinc on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And he had like um, a little deck chair. Yeah. No, it was a bit like that though, because that chair setup had been set up by the um, guy called Paris, oh, like the, the antiquitarian um, mm. who had all the wine and booze that they end up surviving mm. on. Um, meanwhile, out in the desert, as Zeke is doing his burial duties or whatever, um, he finds a weird hole and looks in it, which you should never do. Just leave it alone. Um, and in, and he is rewarded by looking in this hole, by having something drag him in. Um, <laughs> he does try to shoot it with a gun um, to no effect. Um, but because he shoots his gun, all of these like um, gunshots draw everyone back to the ship. And Vin Diesel is there. He appears, and so they everyone starts beating him up because they're they're like, you definitely just shot Zeke. Like we heard gunshots. Mm. He's gone. You're a murderer. So it's got to be you. No, where did they think? Oh, they think he like threw him in the hole. I don't know what they thought they did that he did with him, but they were like, he's gone. And they're so like, murderer, gunshot, yeah, you yeah. here, got it. So we're beating you up mercilessly. <laughs> Um, that is then curtailed and Carolyn brings him into the ship to be questioned where initially he doesn't answer. Um, and this is, he's like kind of chained up so that both of his arms are like held outward from him in a kind of Christ situation happening. Um, and in the process of this talk, we get the only backstory we'll ever get about Riddick in this movie which is that um, he has been incarcerated at least once before. And apparently future jail is quite dark and disgusting. Um, So much so that he actually paid somebody, and I wasn't totally sure. It sounded to me like what he was saying is that he paid a fellow prisoner in the jail. To give him eye surgery? To give him eye surgery. Which I don't know if I would uh, do, but, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the interesting thing about prison might be that you... Uh, consider other things than you might normally in different circumstances. Yeah, you might have a different set of, like... <laughs> I don't know what the right word is. Um, just a different compass of, like, what is risky and what's not. and So you're just like, eh eye surgery by someone else in here, sure. Maybe we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say it was someone who was an ophthalmologist. Yes, someone who somehow ended up in prison for (laughs) non-malpractice reasons. Um, Because the surgery does seem to have worked. Like, because he, for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to be able to see better in the dark, and he does. Um, He also reveals eventually that Zeke's death is not because of him. Um, and I think mm-hmm. this might be where he says there's something worse here than me, something worse out there that, you know, like I'm a murderer, sure, but this, whatever else is out there is worse <laughs> than me. Um, oh, that, I would like wear that on a t-shirt. I'm a murderer, I'm a murderer sure, sure. but there's something else worse out there. <laughs> um, I will buy you that for your next birthday. <laughs> I'll just creep people out. They'd be like, does your shirt say I'm a murderer, sure? Yeah. Um, Now, for whatever reason, 
As is often the case in situations like this, Carolyn decides she needs to investigate the whole. You know, um, okay, I'm so sorry. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't need to say my stupid opinion about every single thing that you say, but I mean that is the whole show. So by all means, continue. Well, I just like. I'm very. Cur- I'm so intrigued by people, and I know this is a character in a movie. Blah blah, but I'm so intrigued and curious about people who investigate things, <laughs> or who like <laughs> something concerning happens, or. And you're like, let me really dig into this. Go out of my, yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe it's not even a real thing and it's just a thing in movies. But, like, I'm trying to think if I would ever have that inclination. Like, I mean, in this scenario, I'd just probably lay on the ground and be depressed and be like, I'm in my worst case scenario. Mm. Um and I wouldn't be helpful. <laughs> I'd just be like, I'd be the worst. You would not want me. You're like, like, I this. won't be pitching in. I won't be a good no. sport. I won't be. No, I'm going to be angry about the fact that we're here. If you find food, you better give me some, but I'm not helping you find it. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to be great in a situation like this. But I, I don't know. I'm just very curious by people like who... Ooh, would care to put themselves at risk. Okay, so you know something bad happened in this hole. Let me go see what's going on with that hole. No, I'm going to stay far away from that hole. Thank you very much. I mean, you don't know, no, that something bad is in the hole. I but guess. But you, yeah, I mean, I guess But my you're on thing, a desert planet. Why are you looking in a hole? Yeah. I don't think... I, I yeah. don't think no, I think, like, again, going back to what I said before, like... I'd be like, this is an unfortunate turn of events. And (laughs) maybe at some point we ought to figure out what happened. But have we got water? Have we got food? Right now it's about the survival. Yeah, like we can, if, if there comes a time where looking into this further is an option that makes sense, then fine. Sure, I guess. Um, this particular right survival moment mode. doesn't seem like this is top of priority to me. Agreed. Um, nonetheless, this is what Carolyn decides to do. She gets lowered into the hole by a rope. Oh, my God. Which I would hate. Um, and as she, as she goes into the hole, she eventually ends up in a cave um, oh where God. we see, we have the you know typical horror movie shot where we see like kind of a wide shot of her looking around and behind her a creature kind of starts to appear on the wall. Um, this is what inspired the question I asked today. Um, yeah. She finds a foot stump, um, which presumably belongs to Zeke, though. Okay. You know. Now, this part adds a little bit of, a, again, a caveat to our conversation at the beginning. If it's a piece of a body or a whole body of someone you know, because I wasn't picturing that. I was picturing, mm. like, a come-upon situation. Yes, that's what that, I was like, you're not suggesting as to. well. Yes, yes, yes. But if it's someone you know, and you know they went down into this hole... It would be a bummer. Yeah. I would not feel good about it. 
Um, particularly no. because going back a bit to that conversation, this is not a clean cut like that he fell or like something sliced him or whatever. This yeah. is like nibbled on, um, <laughs> which I don't like. So needless to say, she starts climbing out and screaming, like, get me the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> they pull her up. But just when we think she's safely back on solid ground, she gets pulled in again by whatever's down there. They eventually cut her rope and she is free. Um, Meanwhile, as this is all transpiring outside, back in the ship, Johns and VD have one of their many kind of face-off moments um, (laughs) where Johns... I never... To be honest, I don't really get the motivation of the character of Johns. Like, I don't really see Mm -hmm. his story arc or maybe there is no arc, but, like, I don't totally... He just seems like... Well, one, eventually we learn he's a drug addict, but two, Mm. he seems to be just, like, a sadist? He's very antagonistic. I don't know. Like... Yeah. um, Because he's, like... again, I was not fully paying attention a lot, but he seemed to be yelling for no reason a lot. He did... That was his, like, acting strategy, I would say, in this movie. Um, Which... Honestly, if I was on a desert planet, they don't go into how hot it is there. But if I'm, if I'm in a no, place again, like I, would I would be an be, absolute. I would be using expletives quite a lot. I know that for sure. Oh. And I think oh. with each degree that the day got oh. hotter, my volume would increase <laughs> by a decibel. You know, like oh. as the day oh. goes on. I mean, I just said the stuff I said about how unhelpful I would be before, but the thought of it. Like, I'm going to double down and say with, like, the heat part of it, I don't know, nobody, I was about to say, I don't know if anybody knows me, you don't, but I hate the heat, and my idea of heat is also, like, I have a pretty low threshold for what I consider uncomfortable. That's right. I don't, I don't like it above 75 degrees. Right. Like, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble, and I'm going to be... Actually, what I think I would do in this situation, I would say it's probably best for everyone if you just kill me now because (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be pleasant to be around. Yeah, I'm not going to contribute and I'm going to be super a pain in the ass. So (laughs) (laughs) I actually I mean, the truth is I'd probably die in the crash is what I would look for. Yeah. But in this case, for whatever reason, Johns decides to free Vin Diesel for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's because we're already getting to a point where like survival is now becoming more like present in people's minds. And like, even though he's a murderer, it's like we, now we're losing it's numbers person. and, and yeah. you can do some work and you can do something. I don't know what. Yeah. Um, back at the abandoned camp. Um, they get the water generator working and start to fix the shuttle. Um, Vin Diesel is exploring the camp now that he's been freed, and Jack is developing a real hero worship for Vin Diesel. Um, I think this is when the reveal is is that Jack has shaved his head and created some mock kind of weird goggles like Vin Diesel has to look more like him. Mm. Um <laughs> I didn't really get that. I was like, why does that kid have goggles too? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, Vin, Vin tries to tell Carolyn 
that something bad has happened at this camp. Um, and that's why it's been abandoned in this kind of quite abrupt. He's like, why would they have left all of this stuff? And particularly if they left, why is the shuttle still here? Like, mm-hmm. um, no Wait, sooner. Go on. She was in that cave. Well, I was just going to say, why would she ever say anything other than like, yeah, I'm sure you're probably right. There, I was in a cave, some thing ate off Zeke's foot and like I got pulled back in. Why wouldn't she be like, yeah, I think you're right. Well, I don't think she necessarily argues with him to say, no, this is a paradise. But um, <laughs> I think it's kind of, we see various things, variations on this now even, which is like, I am not listening to that piece of your information because <laughs> the the thing I'm already dealing with is kind of a lot for me. Mm-hmm. So not only am I... You're going to say something and I'm literally going to like, you're going to, we're going to be kind of quote unquote having a conversation, but we're not because when you tell me something, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm just going to like blow <laughs> right past it. I'm going to have, <laughs> um, and, yeah. and it's not that what I'm, it's not that my kind of, um, tunnel vision is full of puppy dogs and rainbows. It's just that the tunnel vision thing that I've created is already pretty shitty. So yeah. I'm not going to like I can't add take more on another yeah to that even though the thing you're yeah. telling me that's the more might actually be a critically important thing I should know about <laughs> like, yeah um so that's my read on yeah, this Yeah 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 no sooner does do they kind of ha- this conversation is hanging in the air with little like comic bubbles and Imam comes in to say that one of the boys is missing And where has the boy run off to? He is in the coring room um, where, as you'll see here, this is, it seemed like there were various different creatures. They don't all look the same. Um, Okay. And these ones, to me, seem to start out looking like little leaves hanging down, like from a, Uh, like cross beam thing. Were there some that looked almost like they were like um, I don't know, like I don't want to say tools. That sounds weird, but like metal objects. I, I feel like there were some that almost looked like yeah. they were like weird, like knives or yeah. Something. Well, yes, the ones that seem to come out at the end and then seem to be like the creature, like going forward, is mm-hmm. there? They seemed to have like. Um, a hand that was like one thumb and three fingers and then coming out from the palm of that hand a weird knife that like came out Um, but then also they're not good no and then I also kind of think that whenever we saw a depiction of that same like knife hand creature it also seemed to have the face that was kind of like pterodactyl-y yeah, and like a, a pterodactyl mixed with a hammerhead shark, almost. Because mm-hmm. there was like a horizontal mm-hmm. piece and like mm. a vertical piece, sort of. I hated it. Um, but these are different than that. These are literally oh. like, it looks like leaves come to life and skin this boy mm. alive. Um Chuck. But I mean, as we know, planets have multiple different types of animals. So I think that's... I guess they're just all deadly is what we're meant to understand here. 
Um, When they go into the coring room to find the flayed boy, they also look down into the hole that the coring room has created, and they just see that it's full of skeletons of all the people from the camp. Um, Carolyn, looking around, discovers that the last samples that they ever pulled up out of the earth, because it's a geological survey team, um, was 22 years ago. And as she's looking at this weird model, which is where she learned that there were three sons and whatever, she learns that every 22 years, the planet goes into a phase of darkness because of the eclipse. Um, that, that they are just about to flip into 22 years. Um, and it is unclear how long the darkness will last. Hmm. Not great. Ominous. Yes. Um, back in the shuttle, Carolyn and Jones have a quiet moment between the two of them where we learn as the audience that they are kind of letting Vin Diesel operate under the belief that he is free, but that they plan to, like, once they're off the planet, I guess, put him back into custody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also when it's revealed that Jones is both a morphine addict and a bounty hunter. So he is both a drug addict and a liar. Um, Yikes. Which, no judgment, but it certainly seems like drug addict and liar often go together. Um, so here we are with this. Um, mm-hmm. Then... After that conversation, Vin Diesel somehow shows up. Yeah, he, he's good at sort of like appearing out of nowhere behind people uh, in this movie. For a big guy, that's a pretty good feat. I know. He isn't as big in this movie as he will become. True. Um, but so he kind of, to Carolyn in particular, he's like, do you really trust this guy and what he's saying? And do you really think that he's not going to, like, double-cross you if it doesn't suit him for whatever reason it doesn't Mm. suit you, Uh, it doesn't suit him. And um, he also is like, and you maybe want to ask Jones what he actually did to your first officer to kill him, you know, and and we never really returned back to that, but I was like, oof, what does that mean he did to this guy? (laughs) Um, But we never know. So, but it's, it sounds concerning whatever again ominous um at the crash site the eclipse is beginning um and they've decided that what they need to do is pull the power cells that are undamaged from the ship to be put into the shuttle so that they can get off the planet as fast as possible um as the eclipse is starting to create sort of a dusk Scenario: Various creatures start to emerge up from the boneyard, up from the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't look great. Um, and so they decide that they need to run to the ship to seek cover from this. Um, but as these entities are swarming, um, Shaza, unfortunately, gets ripped in half. Uh, by the creatures. She was quite tiny, so. Um, still, though, I th- we see this a lot, like, in this movie where, like, bits of people are pulled apart. Um, Not good. And 
because of his weird prison surgery, Vin Diesel is the only one who could actually see what is happening and how many of them there are and all this stuff. And then we go to a full black screen again at 59 minutes, um, which is not... have like a a lot of movie to go. Yeah, I was going to say this isn't perfect middle, but it's close to the middle of the movie. Um, when we come back, everyone who has, is left is cowering in the ship as the creatures start to kind of hoot and make kind of echoey call sounds, kind of like a mixture of like owl sounds and whale sounds is how I might describe what they sounded like and like bats and things, kind of like that mixture of stuff. Um... As they're sitting around trying to figure out what to do, um, one of the creatures pierces the hull of the ship, gets in, and kills the second Muslim boy that Imam is meant to be in charge of. Um, But in this attack, they do learn that these creatures don't like light, that light hurts them, and that's, of course, you know, like they're on this planet where it's always light, so they have to hide under the ground. And I guess, I'm not sure if the implication is that they hibernate for 22 years and then they come out. I don't really know. Um, But it does seem weird from an evolution perspective to be like, you've evolved and you don't like light on this planet that is daytime most of the time. So I don't really Mm -hmm. get that. But anyway, that's what's happened. Um, at this point, Carolyn is like, we cannot stay here. We don't know how long night is going to last. And these animals are like, you know, vicious. And what we learned from the abandoned camp is that sheltering in place will not work. Um, they will find a way to kill us somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. so what we have to do is get to that shuttle and get off this fucking planet. That's what we've got to (laughs) do. Um, when she pitches this to everyone, Jones in particular is like, are you fucking crazy? We can't do that. Um, and, but eventually, oh, because what did she say to him? Oh yeah. Um, he, and so in this conflict between Jones and Carolyn, Um, they're like fighting and he says, why don't you let me be in charge? I actually know things. And she writes, she says back to him, uh, she says back to him. And I, this is a direct quote because I thought it was so good. She was like, you're just 79 kilos of gutless white meat. Oh my God. I love that. (laughs) If only there were a way I could use that phrase in my everyday life. Oh my God. Um, I would love to say that to so many people. I know. So she's like, I'm, I'm still like, cause all throughout the movie, people have been calling her captain and she's like, no, 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 I'm not the captain. But now she's finally like, okay, fine. I'm in charge. Yes, I'm the captain. And I am saying we cannot stay here. We have to make an effort to leave. Um, and she was like, and the fastest way for us to go from this crash site to where the shuttle is, is we need to have Vin Diesel who can see in the nighttime. He has to lead us <laughs> to the ship. To the shuttle. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, Jones thinks is a bad idea, but she's like, I don't care what you think. This is what we're doing. Um, so they start to walk 
to the shovel and they're all outfitted in like light tubes wrapped all around them. Um, and then they even seem to have like some kind of like big, like light generator at the center of them that they're all kind of hooked to through these light tubes. Mm -hmm. I didn't totally get it. Um, but unfortunately, almost immediately, Jack drops his flashlight and when he tries to go after it, the creatures attack. In this moment, Paris, the antiquitarian, runs away from the group, which pulls at the fragile kind of lighting structure to, and deactivates the light grid. So now everyone is vulnerable. Paris immediately gets attacked by a group of these flying creatures. Um, and we actually watch through Vin Diesel's night vision, watch his body get ripped apart by these weird animals. Mm -hmm. um, and he basically says to them, you don't want to know what's happening right now. And they're like, definitely oh don't. Great. Please um, don't show me. But somehow in this kind of kerfuffle, the group realizes that Vin Diesel has actually led them in a circle. And Jones in particular is really upset um, about this because he, he's like, this is, um, you know, a trick of some kind or whatever. And Vin Diesel is like, no, it's not a trick. I was buying myself time because between us and the shuttle is a canyon full of these creatures, like just chock full of them. And I didn't know what to do, so I thought if I circled back, I would have time to come up with an idea. <laughs> um, now, this, unfortunately, no sooner does he tell everyone that, more of the creatures seem to start showing up, and Vin Diesel, in his kind of weird, semi-mystical way that he delivers lines in this movie, he's like, the girl is bleeding, and at this point, the only woman left, as far as we know, is Carolyn. And she's like, no, I'm not. I haven't been... Because like, we've also learned at some point that like blood draws the creatures to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Carolyn's like, I'm not bleeding. I haven't been cut. Like, you know, whatever. And he's like, not you, the other one. And... I wasn't totally sure. So this is when we see that Jack, the person who has been like hero worshiping Vin Diesel and following him around, is actually a girl, a teen girl. Um, and I wasn't sure if what we were supposed to take away from she's bleeding, if they meant she had gotten some sort of cut in the attack from mm -hmm. this monster or if she had had her period. It wasn't totally clear to me. I hope that it was that she got attacked because, like, I'm kind of sick of the other thing. I know. Um, in the sense of, like, Ooh, we are never safe because the girls draw the yeah the menstruation blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Oh my god! What is it from? Um, what is that from? Where the guys like the bears can smell the menstruation? It's Anchorman. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know oh why I know God. that. I don't know why that's a quote. Thank you. I that would have been bothered. You're welcome. That would have bothered me. Um, but yeah, so, I am sick of that as yes, a line of thinking. Yes. So let's just assume because she had gotten 
attacked potentially when she lost her flashlight, but that, that's what they mean. That's what they're talking about. Um, okay. So at this point, Carolyn says, you know, like, we tried, maybe we should go back because I don't know how we're going to get through this, like, basically, like, wall of bloodthirsty creatures. Um, yeah. And Jones is like, why should we listen to you now? Like, I'm still sick of listening to you. And then he reveals to everyone how she tried to jettison them in the crash. Um, and then he and Vin Diesel start to have yet another one of their sort of heart-to-heart talks um, where they walk away from the group and Jones is like, you know, you and I can move a lot faster to the two of us and you're already a murderous thug. So how's about you kill all of the rest of this dead weight and we'll run away in the shuttle and I'll let you go free and I'll never say anything. Um, you know, whatever. Um, and intriguingly, for whatever reason, this like offends Vin Diesel's sensibilities as a murderer. I don't know. Um, because they start to fight, and in the context of this fight, the light that Jones has been carrying carrying around goes out, and as soon as it does, he gets chomped by one of the creatures by the head. So, like, they literally like, bite down on his head, um, mm-hmm. and he's gone, done for the movie. Um, and Vin Diesel then catches back up to the group who have been heading back to the ship. So they, so literally Carolyn was like, while they like went off and did their man fights, she was like, okay, so I'm still in charge. Yeah, I'm still in charge. We're going back to the ship right now. Don't say anything. Like, um, <laughs> Let's hope we can leave them here. Yeah. Let's just strand their asses here. Like, um, so that's what happens-ish. Um Back in the now, rather than going all the way back to the ship, they kind of, for whatever reason, hunker down or bunker down into the boneyard area. And in while looking at um, the different uh, creatures, skulls that are left there, Vin discovers that the creatures have a blind spot, which is like directly between their eyes, basically. Um, and so What's interesting here is, like, if you were right up, like, nose to nose with one of these creatures, it couldn't see you, basically. Oh, interesting. Um, Because uh, most animals' eyes operate on, I don't remember how to say this exactly, but it's like a convex shape. Like, our human eyes do this. Anything with two eyes does this, where we have kind of like an arc of vision. Um, mm-hmm. And for human eyes, those arcs cross. They, and so that's like over our no, the bridge of our nose, the arc of our left eye and our right eye come together. And, that's, and so we don't have a blind spot in the middle. Um, oh, I was just trying to test it on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we technically do have a blind spot because we don't, we can't really see the bridge of our nose. Um, but, but if you put like that's how you make people like cross their eyes is if you make if you like you right, can, it's blurry, but you can see that you can a thing you can you, like, just see yeah you can just yeah. see it. Um, and this so I guess 
what we're to understand with these creatures is that basically it would be like their eyes are like further to the side of their face. Oh, like, okay. So, so yeah. there's no, that cross and like uh, section doesn't exist for them. Mm-mm. Um, and so Vin Diesel has figured this out and it will become useful later. Um, <laughs> they, but basically they, they remain in the same place, which is, if they are to survive, they can't remain on this planet. And so uh, Carolyn decides that they're going to run through the boneyard to get to the shuttle. And Vin will be dragging the fuel cells behind him because he's the strongest. Um, unfortunately, the two smallest, frailest of the group, the kids, which is a.k.a. the last remaining Muslim boy and Jack... Um, they are both attacked by creatures in this effort to run uh, through this canyon thing. Um, Vin is the one who is able to save them both by jumping into the blind spot of the creatures that are attacking them. And then I will say, like, it moved a little bit fast. I couldn't quite see it, but he basically, like, slices and dices this thing. Um, <laughs> and it's quite something to behold. Um, now... Unfortunately, just as we're watching Vin sort of like clean the blue blood off of his face, um, the rain starts to fall. And they've been reduced to, because their light kind of contraption got broken, they've been reduced to making torches out of the last bits of booze that they have. Um, And those will not work in the rain. So as soon as they start to sputter out, the final Muslim boy is pulled up headfirst by a creature flown into the air, never to be seen of again. Um, and Vin is like, okay, we're not going to be able to make it to the shuttle like this. Like, there's four of us left. Um, none of you is as strong or as fast as me. This isn't going to be any good. So he's basically like, I'm going to go ahead and get the shuttle ready and you guys stay in this cave, and I will come back for you. Um, in the shuttle, however, it looks like Vin was a liar because he's, like, shutting the shuttle door, and he's getting it ready to launch. <laughs> and it's like, wait a second. Um, Carolyn then leaves the comfort of the cave to, to catch him, basically. She's like, I know he's up to something. Mm-hmm. And Vin is like, I don't know why you care about these people. You were going to drop them and kill them, you know, I guess, let's say 24 hours ago or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're trying to say that we shouldn't just abandon them because he's like, well, you can come. You found your way to the shuttle, so I'll, I guess I'll take you along. And he's like, let's just leave them. And it looks like she is going to do that. But in fact, what she does is as, like, she's coming into the shuttle, she attacks Vin Diesel, and she's like, I just won't leave them. Like, I, you know, and it's in it, this is, like, um, an interesting character arc for her where, like, she starts out being like, I just want to look out for myself. And then maybe because mm-hmm. of that, she feels extra responsible for getting everyone who, who survived off the planet. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, even Vin Diesel responds to this turn of events. He's like, how interesting. 
Um, <laughs> and I guess it is. Um, so both Vin and Caroline, Caroline come back for Imam and Jack, who are hiding in the cave with their glowworm light bulbs that they made. Um, mm-hmm. And they all run to the shuttle. Um, as they're doing so, the creatures start to chase and attack them. And Vin Diesel decides he's going to distract them because he knows this blind spot trick. But unfortunately, two of the creatures um, catch him because the blind spot trick only works when there's just one of the monsters. Like, when there are two, mm-hmm. they can echolocate with each other. So it doesn't work. Um, but in his effort to distract, um, Imam, Carolyn, and Jack get onto the ship And then the imam, the religious holy man, is like, let's leave his ass. Let's go. Um, Mm. And she's like, absolutely not. You know what, folks? Don't trust anyone. At the end of the day, everyone's out for them damn selves. Yeah. Um, Except for Carolyn, because she's like, no, I I said to him not to abandon you, and I'm going to say to you that we're not abandoning him. Um, Well, she learned, but she had her moments. Yes. She has come to this realization about nobility. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she then goes to find Vin Diesel, who has been hurt by one of these animals. um, And she tries to carry him to the shovel, which even at this point, it's really funny because, like, he isn't even as big as he would go on to become. But she is, like, an an average-sized woman. And she's, like, trying to help him walk. And it's like, no, this is... It's not yeah. going to work. Um, like, he's way too heavy, and he's way too top-heavy in particular for you yeah, to, like, balance no. him out to, like, get he's him... He's still a big dude, even in yeah. this. Like... Yeah. Um, needless to say, as they're trying to struggle to the shuttle, one of these horrifying flying creatures picks her up and carries her off into the night. She's gone. She's dead. She did not make okay. it to the end of the movie. Finally, Vin Diesel, Keith David, and Jack survive long enough to get off the planet. And as they leave orbit, presumably to start new lives or to do whatever they're doing, um, Vin Diesel says to them, if they ever get asked what happened to Riddick, say that he died on this planet. And I think, like, I don't what? think that... So that's to say, like, he's going to pretend he's someone else? Well, so I I think, that not having seen Chronicles of Riddick, I, but I have, like, because I was considering maybe watching it for this week before realizing there was this, um, I my impression is in Chronicles of Riddick, he's a bit more of an actual hero rather than an anti-hero. Um mm. Though I, I so can't they, like, be rewrite sure. rewrite the story a little bit? <laughs> um, well, I think what it is, is, hold on a second. Let me have a look at what the premise is here. Oh, it's got Carl Urban. I really like him. Um, okay, yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to get into the whole nitty-gritty of this, but it does seem like in Chronicles of Riddick, he's he's not an anti-hero. He is just a hero. Hero. Um, gotcha. Or, like, a much more easily loved anti-hero than this first one sets him up to be. Gotcha. Um, and so I think, like, and I'll say this, I don't think that the Wheat brothers who wrote this... Um, Thought were, he was going to go on. Yeah, to, like, we're doing the sequel setup. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's yeah. what they were doing. They were, like, trying to show that this character has had 
like a, a development, a, a character arc where we don't oh, know. I see, I see. We don't know what this new person leaving the planet. We don't know what he's see, going I, to be like. But the Riddick of this movie, where he's like this bloody, bloodthirsty murderer, um, is is gone. I get it. Okay, right? I was interpreting that differently. I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, like, I mean, because it's also like it's the same kind of narrative as you could get out of a movie of someone who like um, is an undocumented person or whatever, right? It's like there's no proof left anymore that says mm-hmm. I am this person, so now I can be anybody else Whoever that I want. I want. Yeah. Um, so, so this persona, the Riddick persona, is dead, and they died here, and you know, gotcha. we don't. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be like a great guy <laughs> going forward, <laughs> um, but he is not going to be Richard B. Riddick anymore, apparently. Good, because it's a bad name. Um, although Chronicles of Riddick suggests maybe that won't that be so simple for him <laughs> as, <laughs> as imagined. Um, so this is the whole film. This is it. This is the movie. Um, which leads us into Yawns and Eye Rolls, which I am a bit afraid Uh-oh. for. Um, yeah. It ain't going to be good. So let's, I guess, start with Yawns, which... Oh, God, even this, I'm not so sure how you're going to react. Um, one yawn is this was super engaging, and ten yawns is this was super boring. Uh, what would you give it? <laughs> yeah, this was up there for me. This was like nine because wow 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 because i watched like 30 minutes of it and i couldn't take it one night (laughs) and then i was like i started watching it again like i was taking a break from doing some work and i was like okay i'm just gonna get another like bit of time in on this movie sure and i watched a bit of it and then i realized i had fallen asleep and i was like dang it (laughs) and i was like i'm not even rewinding i don't care um and so it took me a lot of times watching it. By like the third like separate sitting of watching it, I realized I was like fully doing other things, just like having it playing. And yeah, it's so nine. It was it was a rough one for me. Man, I almost think that separating it out that much makes it worse somehow. Like it might you're have been. creating a worse situation for yourself. I mean, like it's possible. Um, for me, I would say. I'm not nearly as unhappy as you are about this, but I would say, like, hmm, I don't know if I think it's boring. I was, like, pretty decently in, not into this, but able to, like, have it wash over me. So I think I might do a (laughs) four, um, okay. I and now for transparency's sake, I did also break it into two chunks. Um, yeah, but that's more because I've realized that I kind of prefer, in terms of time management for my own life, to like watch <laughs> one bit and get like a little over halfway, and then the next night watch the final bit. Um, yeah. And that also that was my goal, but I just like couldn't even yeah. do it. Yeah, and that also has to do with like kind of things about like I seem to never be able to start these movies until like eight thirty or nine, and then I'm like I just don't want to yeah. like have to really be up and 
engaged right up until 11 p.m. Like, I just would much rather be like, by 10, you've gotten a good chunk done, and then you can, like, watch a 20-minute thing and fall asleep to it on your couch, and then you go to bed. (laughs) So it's more about time management than it is that I didn't care for what was happening. Um, I mean, I realized at one point I was watching it, and I was like, I don't even like I was I was having this thought as I was watching I was like I don't even know what they're saying right now I'm just like watching the picture on the screen but I'm not absorbing anything that's happening sure yeah like (laughs) yeah um for eye rolls again a a bit of a pitfall potentially (laughs) um one eye roll is yeah this world um makes sense within its own confines. Um, and then 10 eye rolls is, is like th- none of this even remotely made sense. Uh, what would you give it? I'm going to have to say just for like my own problems that I had with it, I'm going to have to say like an eight, eight or nine again. Wow. Because... <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. Like, and it's not that the world was so inconceivable when it comes to, like, like I said, there's a, a lot of movies that are kind of like this, I think. Yeah. In a general sense. But it's yeah. like, yeah, it was, it was a rough one for me. So just to <laughs> bring that point home, I think I'll keep it eight and a half, nine. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, like, I won't go so far as to say this felt derivative because it didn't really feel derivative. And like I said at the start, I think if in 2000, it would have felt probably even more fresh than... Because at at least, I will say, at the very least, I like that this was, like, somebody's own individual idea rather than like, oh, there's a comic book about this, so we've done it. And I'm like, great. Sure. Um, And I do feel that, so then, so it might be a bit formulaic, but because of that, I think it does sort of hang together fairly well. Um, And it also follows another one of our established rules, which is like there's only kind of one thing that's happening. Um, Yeah rather than, like, a variety of weird crap happening. Um, So I think I would give it... hmm. I might even go as far as to say that it's, like, a two for me. Because, like... um, And that's mainly, interestingly, because we actually don't know anything beyond the confines of what has happened on this particular planet. Like, as you pointed out, like, I'm like, where's New Mecca? No idea. Does Earth still exist? Not sure. What year is it? Have no idea. Um, you like so so the world yeah. of this movie is actually incredibly small. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, it I think it hangs together fairly well for as a result of that. Um, yeah. You know, fair. like I I didn't think like this is preposterous. <laughs> like you know, like I was just like. <laughs> Okay, you know. Um, So finally, this is the real question that I fear. Uh, Did you like this and would you recommend it? No, that's like a big hell no and hell no. 
for me. <laughs> like, absolutely not. Um, this is everything. This is the, like, I could, if, I'm, if I wanted to make a compilation of why I'm not a fan of science fiction, this would this be it. This movie would be in part of it. It's classically what I hate. Yes. And we knew from the very first second that it was <laughs> yeah. going to be. Um, yeah. I would say I liked this movie okay. And as for recommending... I don't know if it needs any recommendation because the only person I would feel compelled to recommend it to would be someone who like somehow knows about Chronicles of Riddick but isn't aware that this movie is like the someone setup who's like, for it. Do you know like a movie that like so they like land on a planet where there's like an, an eclipse and it's like Vin Diesel and it's like the first one he was in. Do you know anything like that? <laughs> I'd be like, I know exactly <laughs> what to tell you, sir or madam. Um, but like, I, like I, maybe there is a a person or many people in the world who like liked Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick, but like because this is called Pitch Black, somehow didn't figure it out yet. Yeah. Like, yeah, I um, bet that's true. So to that person, I think it would be like, hey, if you didn't really know, Try there is <laughs> there is this other thing. And the reason I would recommend it is because of going back to what I've said before. I was like, this is the actual originating point for a storyline that you like. Um, there is no backstory, and this was not designed as a prequel. It just is a movie. Um, yeah. So that... It just like, is a movie. Well, because I sometimes like... Well, I like some prequels. I, I'm like... Yeah. It's diff- This is different than that. This was the one that yeah. was made first. <laughs> like, it was actually like it was. Uh, it didn't. Need so to yeah, it's people. not like it's not like a weird backtrack where it's like, where is this in the timeline relative to the things that were you know like it's not that. Um, yeah. And so if there is somehow a person who's like, I actually like that those Riddick movies. I'd be like, well, did you know that it's this other one that's a totally different name, but it is still that same guy? Um, I would recommend it to the person who somehow had missed that information. Yeah. Um, and that's all I can say. So probably a relatively small segment of the human population. <laughs> um, but thank you, as always. Thank you, Amy. I am Sarah, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.